Hello, everyone. Welcome to Free Trail Friday. My name is Dylan Bowman, joined today by the great Brendan Madigan. Brendan, welcome to the show. How are you this fine Friday morning, Friday afternoon, I should say? I'm great, man. Thank you so much for having me. And of course, you are the owner of Alpenglow Sports, the race director for the Broken Arrow Sky Race. And we are going to talk all about your experience in the industry as somebody who is a veteran and who I look up to very much. And we're also going to be making a very big announcement on the program today, aren't we, Brendan? So for our viewers at home, stick with us. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the conversation. But the point of today's talk is really to kind of talk about the industry, talk about the business. Brendan knows much of our industry like the back of his hand. He is a retailer. He is a race director. He is an entrepreneur. He is a employer, a leader in his community, and uh, he's got a lot to share with us. I think it's going to be a really fun conversation. Again, somebody who I certainly look up to as a fledgling entrepreneur myself in this space. If you have questions for Brendan as it relates to trail running, retail, business, entrepreneurship, drop them in the chat. We'll do our best to monitor those, pull out the best ones and uh, ask them to our illustrious guest here. Uh, a big thank you to Aura Ring, who is our sponsor for all of Free Trail Friday. We are so lucky to have their generous support. I have been a longtime Aura Ring fan and user. I wear mine 24 hours a day. For some reason, both Harmony and I woke up at 4.30 a.m. this morning, so my readiness is shot, Brendan. So if I suck on today's live stream, that's my excuse. Uh, but for our viewing audience, I would highly recommend you grab yourself an aura ring. There is a link in the description in the YouTube here today where you can get six months free subscription with a purchase of a Gen 3 ring. You guys might also notice I'm wearing my fire new free trail merch. We opened up our e-commerce store yesterday to the public and we're basically already sold out. So Brendan, I'm learning the retail business myself. <laughs> so thank you to those of you who uh, have supported us on that front. It really does make a big difference. It's made us all very happy here at Free Trail. We still have uh, some t-shirts and stuff available. So Go check it out, freetrail.com forward slash shop. We would love your support there. All the stuff turned out great. So I think you'll enjoy wearing it too. With all that being said, Brendan, welcome to the program. How are you, buddy? Man, thanks. That was a very kind intro, dude. I'm super, super humbled by that. And, and I should say thanks to you, man. Like, you know, I think a lot of people um, don't know the grind that goes on behind the scenes of doing something you know, of, of permanence and that has lasting value. So thanks for, for changing our game and, and doing what you're doing. I appreciate it, man. And for those, uh, who are not privy, I've leaned on your, uh, advice many times. We've had, uh, many phone calls over the course of the last year. And, uh, yeah, there's a, many things that have stuck with me from those conversations that have helped us in our cultivation of free trail. So, um, I guess just, you know, to set the table for the viewers who are maybe a little bit less familiar with who you are, you're not somebody who seeks the spotlight. You're not somebody whose name is necessarily, you know, uh, a household name. So maybe just give a quick introduction to yourself and what you do. You got it. Yeah. So, um, like you said, um, I'm the owner of Alpenglow Sports here in Tahoe City, California, about 
seven miles from the start of uh, the Broken Arrow Sky Race uh, start line and Western States. And I moved here in 2003 as a full-time ski bum and gradually worked my way in somehow into, into ownership and being a, a small business uh, operator. Um, and in 2016, uh, a team of us, I have three partners in Broken Arrow, uh, we felt like there was a great opportunity to to add some value into the into the trail running space. Yeah, and uh, value is what you've created. I'm curious with the origin story. You know, moving to the area in 2003, were you always kind of an entrepreneurial person, or how did you get your start in the business? Because uh, one of the things that I'm asked the most is advice as to how to get a start within the outdoor industry. How did you get your start kind of in the business and where did the entrepreneurial tendency come from? Well, I grew up in the South and, uh, you know, I, I don't know, um, kind of how I got to where, where I am, to be honest, but, uh, life's kind of beautiful that way. Um, but I remember, you know, uh, one, wanting to go to soccer camp as a kid and, um, you know, dad could pay for it, you know, but he's, he told me to like, go rally beer cans out of the dumpsters on, you know, in the neighborhood and like for recycling money. And, you know, maybe that planted the seed early on, but, um, I was lucky to fall up, fall into, um, you know, a group of people here at Alpenglow in 2003 after college. And, uh, you know, I always wanted to ski bomb for at least a, a season. And I'd been working outdoor retailer, uh, in my college town in Virginia and um, I came here for a winter and, and never left. And um, Alpenglow has been my only job um, since then. And, uh, you know, like I said, I was lucky to, to fall under the, the support of some really amazing people, uh, two of whom I, I still work with today at the shop. So um, the classic ski bum to shop owner story. And yeah, here I you feel, are yeah, I years like, later. <laughs> yeah, I feel like my life's a little bit of an exercise of you know, fortuitous timing and, and admittedly like some privilege, right. Uh, growing up yeah. as, as a middle-class kid, getting opportunities that others might not have. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, having that Irish Catholic work ethic of, of head down and, and commitment to, to two organizations with some, with a, what I think as uh, of a really um, cool mission driven um, uh, desire. So, yeah. So on that topic, I just read a book called start with why by Simon Sinek. Have you read that book? It's the Bible. Oh, it's so good. So yeah. I've been voraciously consuming business and management books over the last two years. I just finished that one and I started reading the infinite game just last week. And for our viewers here, start with why is about the importance of leading with mission in business and in life. And I think this is maybe a really fun jumping off point for the rest of our conversation, Brendan, with that in our brains, like what is it that, you know, has been your guiding light or what is your guys's mission with what you do at Alpenglow and at Broken Arrow? And in what ways do you make sure that you stay on that path and stay true to that mission? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think I, I always throw it back to my family, right? Because you're a function of or, or a result of your environment. And I was lucky enough that my, my you know, parents raised me, um, you know, in a classic, you know, Southern way, essentially of like respecting others and treating people with compassion, even if you're, you know, vastly different from them. Um, and really that kind of has permeated uh, 
uh, sorry, permeated through everything that I've done. Um, Alpenglow uh, is a 42 year old shop. So it's, uh, you know, a heritage brand that I am the owner of, but I consider myself uh, a steward. You know, a lot of people have put a lot of time uh, into this business and it's always been about the people and the sum of the parts. Um, and we have a, a very strong community facing business model where uh, we feel a um, inherent responsibility to give back to the community that supported us for, for over 40 years, you know, almost as long as I've been alive. Um, and I think we took a, a lot of that as well as the, the skill set from my other two partners um, who I love dearly um, and really kind of funneled that into the race. Um, you know, we, we had never put on a race before, you know, we had run a lot of races, we've traveled for races. And um, so, you know, we were psyched to just bring something new and, and maybe arguably a little, little different to the, to, to the community. Yeah. Have there ever been moments when you have to remind yourself of that mission? Because in this book, obviously they talk a lot about brands and companies that have really effectively stayed true to who they are and to the mission that they're on. And they also provide examples of businesses who have strayed from that path and who have paid a price. Have there been moments when you've had to remind yourself why you're doing it? Yeah, I think always. Um, but I think if you start with, you know, that that core mission, those core values, and and for us, it's just, you know, trying to connect with people, um, you know, approaching the community as a as a collective. And, um, you know, if you support your community, there's holistic benefits um, all across the board. And so, you know, for us, it's, it's literally just helping people. And, you know, a big part of our interview process, for instance, is um, asking um, interviewees if they genuinely like to help people um, because we want to connect with people. We want, we want that experience um, on a daily basis. It's uh, you know, it kind of transcends retail or business, whatever you want to call it. And it transcends sport. Um, there's, there's, there's things that are bigger than, than both of, of those things that I think it's important to keep, keep in mind in your daily uh, operations. Yeah. So on this subject of hiring and building, cultivating culture, there was a cool article that was written about you and Alpenglow on entrepreneur.com. And they talk a lot about your personal, uh, you know, culture and how you've been building it within your employees. Maybe uh, just provide a description of what you do to ensure that you do find the right people, that they fit with the culture and in what ways you try and instill sort of the mission and the core philosophy of your businesses with those who work with you? Yeah, it's a great, great question. Um, you know, I think for me, um, I start off um, once someone's hired, I, I start off the education process of Alpenglow with with a, a five minute intro of Dave Isay's uh, StoryCorps, uh, which is a very popular um, and I think a special NPR um, podcast. He's written books and, um, you know, essentially uh, he talks about building bridges of understanding between people of vastly different backgrounds. And, um, you know, I think that's timely at any point in our lives, but it's particularly timely now with such a, you know, uh, a crazy time in the world with, you know, polarization and, um, it's just tough COVID and, and all of it is kind of uh, magnified all these things. Um, but really for us, it's about connecting with people. Um, 
And uh, I don't care if you're a, um, a tourist from Oklahoma visiting Lake Tahoe or um, Anton Kropitschka or Dylan Bowman, um, you know, walking into, into Alpenglow. We want to connect with those people on a human level, um, you know, before anything. Um, it's, we don't like to call ourselves salespeople. And, and I get a little, you know, um, queasy with the word entrepreneur because I, I have a little bit of uh, imposter syndrome. I just feel like I'm lucky to do what I love. And um, but like I say, we want to connect with people. Um, I want to know what your kids are are up to or what adventures you've been on. And, you know, maybe in, in some ways that makes me a bad business person. But, um, you know, ultimately, if you buy something great, but if I feel like the experience is much more powerful than the bottom line. Yeah. I had Topher Gaylord on the podcast last summer, and this just reminded me of something he said on the show, which was hire for attitude and train for aptitude. And so <laughs> it sounds like when you're vetting potential employees, you're looking for the person who doesn't want to help, right? And when they have that attitude, then you can train them on all the other details yeah. Yeah. to make them a great employee. So, you know, talking about employees, but ultimately it's the customer that keeps the light on. And this article on entrepreneur.com also mentions that the customer interaction is really at the core of your business and of everything that you guys do. And it's about relationships, not necessarily about sales. Talk about how you guys approach a customer um, at Alpenglow. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not rocket science by any means, you know, it's just literally trying to have a conversation with someone. So, you know, for instance, we encourage uh, the staff never to ask a yes or no question. Um, you know, I think the the most played um, kind of inauthentic retail um, question is, what can I help you with today? Because a lot of people have retail, um, you know, PTSD where they've had bad experiences and, um, you know, they don't want to be sold to at least at least at Alpenglow. Um, so you know we feel like if you break down those barriers of of um, you know we're here to to chat with you and potentially educate if if need be but not to sell you something um, I think that goes a long way and you know it's kind of that Zappos model where you know I think mountain shops running shops they should be you know the go-to resource for the best coffee in town or the best taco in town of course for the best trails or the backcountry ski lines um but it's a it's a kind of a uh, a bigger higher calling than just selling um so we definitely don't put the emphasis on selling and um never do i talk to my staff about improving sales in a particular category or something like that. It's more, you know, I want someone to walk through the door and ask for someone besides me, you know, and that that's really rewarding because it means that staff member has bought into our kind of mission and they want to connect with people. They want to help people. And, and really like at the end of the day, that's our landscape to make the world a little bit better of a place. You know, maybe mm -hmm. someone's having a bad day, we can treat them with compassion and, and um, education and, and maybe that, that helps them out and they can pay that forward. And ultimately it's a brand builder, it's a reputation builder, right? And it's an investment in your own stature within the community. And that ultimately becomes valuable when you want people to be loyal customers investing in those relationships. Let's talk about leadership. I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, dude, but you kind of exude a leader's energy. And I wondered if that's something that 
you've always had or if it's something you've had to develop over your career? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I do, but I, you know, thank you for saying that. Um, you know, I think I've just been, uh, lucky to fall where I've fallen and, and been exposed to the people, um, I've been exposed to, um, you know, playing, playing sports growing up, I think definitely helps that, um, you know, as a big soccer player and, um, you know, I played a little bit in Europe professionally. So that, that kind of, you know, team mentality and, and the, the we, not the me is, is, um, the overarching theme. And, um, you know, I, I found that in, in mountain sports too, right. It, you go out backcountry skiing with someone or you go on an expedition with someone. And, and those are very like, you know, important connections because your life might depend on them. Um, but really, you know, I just think I'm lucky to, to have had some amazing mentors, both, um, in college, like when I got into outdoor retailer and, you know, I started, I quit playing, or, uh, formal sports and I started running longer distances and I start climbing and it was like every ball and stick is over. Um, this is where it's at, um, from a personal fulfillment. Um, and I got to hang with, you know, people who were my heroes then, like, um, you know, I think that's why, you know, we treat, we treat our, um, race in the same vein because like we've talked about before, there's not a lot of sports where you can go to an event and line up maybe not right next to, but you can walk past, you know, Francois, uh, Stephanie, how Courtney, like, you know, and, and and that's special. I, I, you know, so I don't know. I'm glad you think that that's nice of you to say, but, um, but I I mean, it's, I I don't know. I want to pin you down on it a little bit because it's sometimes a burden, right. To be the leader, to be the owner of the shop and to be the race director in what ways have you improved in that aspect of wearing that burden or carrying that weight? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It, it is, it's tough. Um, it's, I always tell people uh, it's by far the most rewarding, uh, but the most challenging thing I've ever done, whether it's Alpenglow or, or Broken Arrow. Um, and really the, the cool thing is it's kind of like, you know, sport mirrors life and life mirrors sport. Right. And there's lessons for both, um, that can be, um, transformative, uh, specialty retail, small business, it's sink or swim. So, you know, whether you're comfortable, uncomfortable, like you got to figure it out. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of a metaphor for life. Like nothing good is easy. Um, yeah. Most, most good things take a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and passion and, and commitment. Um, God damn it. It's so much. It's a, a yeah. uh, unfortunate reality of the universe, but it is a very well said and something that I think probably everybody watching can resonate with. And you mentioned something on a phone call recently that just popped into my head. And that is that you see yourself as sort of a natural introvert, but yet you are in this leadership position. Has there been any discomfort between that maybe natural disposition of yours and the sort of position that you occupy professionally? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, like, uh, COVID quarantine, um, for instance, my, my wife hated it. And, and I was like, I was in heaven because, um, (laughs) I could work from home. The shop, unfortunately, was was uh, more or less closed to the public. Um, but yeah, you know, like uh, I think that's kind of what life is about, right? If we 
we want to do better in our next race. You know, we want to um, be better at uh, our job. And I, I think that's the nice challenge of, of what I do is, um, you know, it pushes me every day um, and being uncomfortable uh, creates growth opportunities. And uh, if you were comfortable, I would say you're probably not um, challenging yourself enough. Um, you know, so I look at the race and, you know, how audacious to think, a rookie race director, three race directors um, could go in and, and have the, these audacious goals at kind of reinventing the, the trail experience in North America. Mm-hmm. And, and in five short years have made some really big strides that way with, you know, over 2000 runners. So yeah. I don't know. I think if you, if you, you have a dream and you live the dream, like, you know, it's tough along the way, but it's tremendously fulfilling. No doubt. No doubt. And we'll get to Broken Arrow here eventually. But I want to also ask you about the speaker series, because we're sort of on this topic of being mission driven and being of service to your community. And you've always made giving back a focal point in your career. And at risk of forcing you to brag about yourself, I want you to talk a little bit about the speaker series and what you guys have been able to accomplish with that. Sure. Yeah. So the the Winter Speaker Series is uh, something we've been doing for 17 years now, and you know we get the um, the biggest names in the in the climbing and and ski space to come and present a free show. Um, you know, it started in a little bar here in Tahoe City with you know maybe 50 people, and I was like the PR firm, the MC, the sound guy, and um, you know now we we hope we have it out at Palisades Tahoe and. Um, you know, there's nights where there's 800 people in the room and it's super rowdy and fun. Um, and then there's a great live stream component so people can tune in from, from all across the world, which is really kind of cool. Um, but it was always meant to motivate and inspire local and, you know, other, um, geographical athletes to chase their own mountain dreams, but then also to educate about and, and raise funds for, local nonprofits here in North Lake and Truckee who are making a tangible difference, you know, in the fabric of our community. So, um, you know, long-winded explanation, um, the events raised over a million dollars now in in, uh, 17 years. And uh, each show is is raising, you know, about 75 grand through uh, um, uh, giveaways and bar sales. And then we have a um, anonymous uh, philanthropic group that we call the donor party, uh, which in hindsight, if, um, if I had known it would have gotten so big, I wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't have chosen such a kitschy name, but. Uh, oh, it's a great uh, name. So, I mean, we should explain it's, it's kitschy because it's alludes to the donor party, the, yeah. uh, infamous group yeah. of, uh, unfortunate souls who had a poor experience going over Donner pass. But <laughs> so I, this is, I think really worth talking about because, it seems like the winter speaker series on its own could be an incredible business for you. And I'm sure it buoys or it enhances Alpenglow and your other projects in significant ways, but you've deliberately used those funds to give back to the community as opposed to lining your own pockets or investing back into your own business or something like that. Talk about that contrast or is that a struggle for you or is that it seems like obviously it's such a it's a benevolent thing to do but is there any sort of uh self-service in it or what's the motivation behind 
making it a purely give back thing rather than something that, you know, is a revenue generator. Yeah. And I think I come back to, you know, I'm, I'm definitely idealistic in my uh, worldview. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, I believe strongly in kind of the, the karmic nature of, of the universe. And, um, you know, we don't do what we do for it to come full circle. We do it so that other people can benefit and then theoretically pay that forward. Um, and that echoes through a lot of what we do at Broken Arrow as well. But yeah, you know, like um, my wife reminds me a lot that we have a, a roof that leaks and, um, you know, um, that that's a reality. But we always yeah, we always wanted the speaker series to to be organic and keep the soul and be authentic. Um, you know, we've turned down big corporate sponsors um, because I didn't want to lose the DNA of the event, um, which I think is, you know, um, a timely topic within the trail space too, right? Um, we have a special, a special community. Um, and uh, for me, we've just, luckily we have these platforms and I want to keep kind of amplifying that. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, a big pat on the back to you. Not that you need it, but it's a really admirable thing that you guys do. And hopefully someday I can make it to the speaker series. It feels like a lot of fun. Maybe uh, you could give me some MC work or something like that. Yeah. Well, and I, and I should say too, like it is, it is somewhat self-serving because it's so yeah. fulfilling, you know, like oh. when, when my team leaves there that night and we've raised, you know, 70 plus thousand dollars for a, for a local nonprofit who's, you know, almost in tears because, you know, for like six hours of work, that's the kind of revenue they're getting. Um, you know, everyone's just, you know, so stoked. Um, and, and those are special things that I think, you know, deserve recognition. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're bigger than just an event, right. They're very fulfilling. So. So good. So let's start moving towards the broken arrow conversation. But when we talked the other day, you described yourself as a retailer with a side hustle as a race director. And even though you had experience at Alpenglow, you had experience with the speaker series as an event, you had never been a true race director before. So maybe just tell the quick origin story of broken arrow just to set up this part of our conversation. Yeah, we had never, like I said, never put on a race. Um, but, you know, having lived in Europe, um, you know, having traveled, having run races myself and our team, you know, d having done the same, um, you know, we just felt like there was a, there was an opportunity to add some value to the trail space. Um, you know, we, we looked at, uh, honestly, at events like UTMB or Zagama or, um, you know, Ring of Steel. Um, more, more close to home, uh, the rut Mike foot does a fantastic job. And we really wanted to kind of bring that, you know, retail touch point, you know, and that side hustle, mind you has become a full-time grind. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, we wanted to bring that, that, that retail eye to service and, and helping people and kind of trying to support our community, um, to a heavily branded, um, new school progressive event but one that still like honored the, the DNA and the roots of our sport, which is, you know, the people, the people are the most important thing. Um, and like you said earlier, if, if they don't come through the door, um, you don't get to do what you love. So, um, 
you know, everything that we do at Alpenglow kind of permeated into the race. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for better or worse, we're doing something right because this thing is like a wild ride. And, um, you know, luckily we, we cap it where uh, we feel like we can do a good job still and we don't have this wild growth. But, um, yeah, it's been, it's been an awesome ride. Yeah, it really has been. I've been multiple times. And it really is truly one of the great events in North America and in the world. And it's especially impressive that it's only been around for whatever, five or six years at this point. And it's so great to hear that that core mission that we started our conversation with also permeates the event side of your professional life as well. I want to go to a question in the chat from Finn Melanson. Shout out to Finn from Salt Lake City. He's the host of the Single Track Podcast. Great young content creator in the space. He asks, Brendan, what are the margins on race directing? I know there are varying levels of races in the sport, so maybe you can speak to marquee events like Broken Arrow, or are these events lost leaders for other projects? So maybe if you could just give a little perspective on maybe the economics of it and how you've been able to make Broken Arrow worth your time. Yeah, well, I, I should say I'm lucky um, because uh, uh, I'm a retailer as my career, um, small business owner, um, and I have a fantastic team that allows me to kind of moonlight um, with Broken Arrow. So, um, and even above and beyond that, I'm just as happy like, you know, th this week I was in storage counting thousands of squirrel nut butter samples, you know, um, <laughs> as I am like, you know, recruiting elites and, and dealing with sponsors. Um, but the margins, they're razor thin, um, to be frank, like, um, you know, I think, uh, it's a parallel with athletes. Um, you know, race directors don't make a lot of money and, and, th and that's not why we're in it. And I say that about Alpenglow too. If we, if we were in this to make money, we're in the wrong business. Um, now it's fair to get by and, and make money. Like that's, that's legitimate. Everyone needs to pay bills and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, I feel like it comes back to that mission driven, uh, passion. You know, if you're true to, you know, adding value to your, uh, your loyalists and, and your fans, then, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it all, it all tends to work out, but, um, you know, we, we don't, um, make any secret about it that race directing is is grueling work um, but at the same time it's tremendously fulfilling and, and I wouldn't change a thing yeah so we'll get to the big news that we're going to break here in a second but I want you to comment a little bit about kind of the state of the event side of the sport right now obviously we've seen a lot of consolidation we've seen the entry of Ironman and Spartan we've seen UTMB start to put together this new world series. And I get the feeling that it's very important to you to keep, you know, this independent streak, not only with Alpenglow, but with Broken Arrow as well. Do you want to comment at all about the current landscape in the sport and your perspective as an independent race director? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you know, like I've made a point in my life to, to try to be um, as non-judgmental as I as I can, of course, we're all humans and we have opinions and feelings. Um, and I, and I tend to focus on, on what we do, right? Like, um, we had those audacious goals. Um, you know, this announcement will, will fit into, in, into those goals. And, you know, uh, I, I think of, um, my team, my race team at, as stewards, um, you know, just like, 
Craig Thornley and the Western States Board are stewards of Western States. Um, I want Broken Arrow to be owned by the next me or the team of of, of people like ours um, to keep doing and building something that hopefully one day can become iconic or add value to to people's lives. Um, and it's my hope that um, you know that resonates with people. I think the beauty of the trail space uh, of the runner is you know we need events like UTMB. You know we need events on the other end of the spectrum like your neighborhood 10k trail race. You know you show up and you get a hot dog and a high five and a beer, and it's affordable. Um, and then we're we're somewhere in the middle, right? Where um, you know we want an inclusive event uh, that's welcoming to all. Um, that's independent and, and, you know, adds value for, for the participants. Um, but I think uh, what's important in our community to, to not lose sight of is this, is this special kind of DNA. Um, you know, it's not fair to compare our sport now to what it was in the eighties or the nineties, because it's, you know, it's apples to oranges. Um, and uh, you know, the beauty is we have this spectrum and, and there's something for everyone, which I think is really cool. No doubt. And thank you for saying the non-judgmental thing, because that really should be the natural starting point for everybody in our sport. And as things have changed and as the change has accelerated, I've noticed a lot more just kind of knee jerk takes about news that comes out and what it means and everything's corrupt, et cetera. But I think it is important to step back and understand, no, there, it is important to have a race like UTMB and it is super important to have the backyard 50 K. And then it is also important to have that stuff in the middle and bridge that entire spectrum of experience for different trail runners. And yeah, I think it's just a very well articulated and important point to reemphasize. So let's break some news, Brendan. So <laughs> I'm going to just sort of open up the floor to you and you can take it whichever way you want to. But this is obviously uh, a big step for you and I think fits in our entire conversation of giving back and being of service, but also wanting to stand for something and to put on an amazing race. So with all that being said, Brendan, what would you like to say about the 2022 version of the Broken Arrow Sky Race? Yeah. So we're really, really excited and, and grateful to, to do it on the show, Dylan. Um, thank you again for that. But, you know, we've, we've kind of um, pulled out all the stops and we're happy to announce that for the 2022 event, we'll have a $50,000 prize purse for um, the top runners for the 52K and the 26K and, and the VK. So, um, you know, it's not about uh, competing with others, but I do think it's it's one of the biggest purses in uh, at least North America. Um, I know Run Rabbit Run does a good job of giving back, but, um, you know, it, part of that is, uh, you know, celebrating the elites. Um, you know, we also celebrate uh, our DFL runners and everyone in between. We like to say that at the Broken Arrow uh, Sky Race, whether you finish first or last, you're a rock star. And uh, Ethan and I are there at that finish line, welcoming every single runner for eight to 10 hours um, every year. So we're stoked to, to juice our prize purse. You know, it was 28K last year and, um, you know, 50K this year. And, and, you know, we hope it results in some real, uh, some real exciting action uh, uh, in June. Yeah. I'm going to get to some more questions here in the chat on this subject, but I think it, it, 
also begs the question of what I asked before, right? That extra, where's that money coming from? It must be coming from sponsors. We should probably shout them out. And also that's probably money that you could have been stuffing in your back pocket and, you know, putting into the bank account of Broken Arrow. So what was the motivator to give this to the elites and celebrate the professional athletes, as you mentioned? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's a, it's a really good point. Um, I think there, there is a, maybe a misperception in, in races where uh, if you do have a deep purse, uh, it's, it, it might be thought of as coming from race entries. And uh, for us, we said, okay, we have an operational budget uh, that race entries will support, but we're going to go out and work with our sponsors who, you know, sponsors kind of a funny word for me, they're partners. Um, you know, like Solomon believed in me and our team in 2016 when we had no track record um, or or street cred um, to do this thing. And they've scaled their support along the way. Um, you know, a, someone like Strava, you know, supporting the live stream last year has just been amazing to work with. And they've also given more money for elites through segment challenges while also giving money to random people who log their, their race on Strava and the last place finishers in the segment challenge is like, so cool. Um, and then if that wasn't enough, they make, they make a non-chair or a tax deductible donation in the name of those runners, elite winner, random DFL. And they make, they make, they match it to, uh, last year, the boys and girls club this year, it'll be girls on the run. So it's just, it's so rad. Um, so the sponsors really are, are, you know, deserve our thanks. Um, you know, we've got some awesome sponsors and um, take a lot of pride in those relationships. But yeah, we we wanted to to raise the bar on on the experience, and that you know we raise it for every runner, and of course the elites are part of that um, as are um, the last place finishers. So um, yeah, it would be great to to have that money um, personally, but uh, sometimes like we've talked about a lot, it's it's not about me; it's about we. And, um, you know, if we can kind of move the needle in, in the space, um, and we, we have a responsibility to do so. Yeah. Well, as an aging professional athlete, but somebody who tries to advocate for the pros as much as I can, I'd just like to say thank you because this is a freaking hard sport to make a living in. And it does make a difference when race directors like you opt to reinvest into the professional end of the sport rather than take that money and reinvest it back into your business or back into your own bank account. So thank you. It's great. Yeah. But a question in the chat, which I think is worth touching on, it's a, a worthy potential obstacle. Uh, this comes from Cody Jett. He thinks, do you think, he says, do you think larger prize purses for winners will have a negative effect on the culture and of our sport? Is there anything that, that worries you there? You know, I think it's a fair concern. Um, you know, I would say we have a long way to go before we are at that point, meaning as an industry. Um, you know, like you said, it, it's, I would say it's almost impossible to make a living as a professional trail runner in 2022. Um, you know, you might get free shoes and free free gear, but, um, and maybe there's some race bonuses, but it's it's a really saturated and competitive profession. Um and we're still fairly nascent in, in the trajectory of the, of the sport, in my opinion. Um, but I think for me, 
it's it's balancing the scales, right? It's treating the elites with the the honor and respect they deserve. It's treating your, you know, someone like a Carol Patterson who ran her first ultra at 77 and, and we highlighted in a, in a um, human interest story this year, like, as well as, you know, inviting those post-collegiate kids who no one knows about yet, but they're coming. Um, you know, like you and Corinne found out last year in the 26K, there's a lot of people that we don't know who are fast as heck. Um, so I, I think the point, um, you know, is well taken and it is a, it is a concern to not lose, you know, the soul. Um, and we talk about that all the time internally is, is walking the line of, you know, being a big event with 2000 plus people, but keeping that down home feel and that vibe and, and that, uh, that comes back to being true to the mission. Yep. Yeah. Well, thanks for, yeah, sort of, uh, confronting that issue head on. And it is something that we'll all have to hold each other accountable about, about we can reinvest into the pros. We can help them to earn a living and we can also keep the spirit and culture of the sport alive. They're not mutually exclusive, but thank you to Cody Jett for that question. I think totally reasonable to ask. So some more news to break. Uh, we were just talking about a new kind of format of Broken Arrow this year before we went live here. What news do you want to share on that front? Because it's pretty exciting too. Yeah, it's really, it's really, I'm stoked about it. But, you know, we, at this point we have uh, a VK, an 11K, a 26K, 52, and a triple crown for, for the, you know, real motivated people. And then, you know, kind of everyone's favorite, which is the kids race. Um, but we're excited that we're going to add another distance, which um, is very unique. Um, it's a time trial, uh, basically five mile race with an uphill section to the Via Ferrata, which is essentially pseudo rock climbing for, for those who don't know, um, uh, that goes up the famous tram face at, at Palisades Tahoe and then a time trial section uh, downhill finish. So that'll be on Friday, June 17th after the vertical kilometer. And we're really, we're super psyched because we think it's unique. Um, you know, it's, it was a minor miracle to get it through the insurance hurdles. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's so, so different and cool and, and fun. And uh, I think people will be stoked on it. Yeah. It'll have sort of a Mount Marathon vibe to it. I think yeah, be, yeah. uh, high speed, high consequence, uh, mountain. Yeah. Athletic exploit. So, uh, yeah, really cool. And, certainly will add an entertainment factor to this year's race. I'm really looking forward to it. And of course, I'm hoping to have a front row seat this year. Let's talk about the live stream. Yeah. Last, yes. year, man, last year was so cool. I just have to say, I mean, the race was in October. We were still dealing with COVID stuff when the race usually happens, but we're back third weekend in June in Palisades Tahoe this year. And uh, I'll be there with my sidekick and partner and co-host uh, Corinne Malcolm. And we're going to, be shouting into microphones as we do too much. Um, but what can you share about the live stream this year so that people can get excited for it? Yeah. So, you know, like uh, you and Corinne were, you know, uh, generous enough to sign on from, from the ground floor last year, we felt like, um, you know, we needed to raise the bar um, on, on our event. Um, you know, we had all this amazing talent um, and uh, you know, we, we did a six hour, live stream two hours of the VK, um, four of the, of the 26, uh, or maybe it was a touch longer. Um, 
and it was so exciting. Uh, Scott Roca's photography spearheaded it. And, you know, he didn't want to just pop a few cameras and, and stream it on, on YouTube or Facebook. He really wanted to, you know, fit into our model as like, a, you know, a, a mission within a mission to kind of uh, reinvent how trail racing is covered. Um, you know, it has to be covered differently to be exciting. And um, at the same time, um, we tasked him with staying true to our brand, which is celebrating every runner. So while, of course, we, you know, highlighted the elites pushing, pushing the envelope at the front of the pack, um, we also layered in a lot of human interest stories and, um, you know, highlighted those those journeys which which are just like the coolest things and and they're the best part of our sport and um i get to see all of them selfishly come over the finish line in in tears or cussing me or um you know and last year we had people paying tribute to folks who died of covid and their family is just like all those special things so we're stoked to bring the live stream back again um you know we'll have more announcements uh, about it in the, in the in the coming weeks but yeah it's it's so fun to do yeah. Yeah. Funnest for Corinne and I, probably. It was so cool to just to be able to sit in the chair, point at the screen, kind of be the producers and the commentators at the same time, because we had all the different feeds from all the different cameras. And yeah, shout out to Scott Rokas for his great leadership on that live stream last year. So, so fun. And man, what a show they put on, you know, both yeah. in the VK and then Joe Gray and Darren Thomas going to battle in the 26K and Chanel Lynx and MK Sullivan and the women's race in the 26K. Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah. Dramatic, short course racing. It's really good for the sport. One thing I wanted to ask you about that I've sort of been asking people on the podcast that I found fun and illuminating that I think is appropriate for you as well is maybe to talk about a, a hard moment in your career or a mistake that you've made that with some hindsight has become a valuable learning experience for you. Any examples you want to share there? Oh yeah. I mean, gosh, probably too many that, that we have time for, but um, you know, I think for, for Alpenglow, it, you know, everything for me comes back to communication and uh, that's hard because, you know, like it's the, it's the hurdle in, in, in everything in life. You know, you have to have good communication with your family, with your spouse, with your kid. Um, and, and that holds true with your coworkers. And, um, you know, there's been times where I've been, you know, kind of like retracted in my, oh my gosh, I have all these things to do as a, as a business owner. Um, but then having to remind myself like this, the most important part of anything that, that I do is the people. Um, and so you, you have to kind of like shake your own, uh, reality there and, and, and focus on what matters, but for the race, um, Man, the COVID window could not have been uh, more stressful. And, um, you know, I think back to August of last year, you know, we had already moved the race. Um, you know, we had canceled in, in 20. Uh, we had rolled everyone over in full into 21. And then we pushed it into October because of COVID. And when we had the Caldor fire and, um, you know, I remember just having these conversations with our team that, um, how do we do this? Do we do this? Like if we do this, if we commit to this and we get smoked out, like we're done financially, we're done. Um, and our partners were great at, uh, at supporting us. And, uh, I remember talking to our team and literally like feeling 
I don't know if I want to cry or puke. Um, but this is like the, the, the most stressful feeling that, that you could ever have. And, and, uh, we just said like, we got to do this thing. We, people want to do it. Uh, we think we can do it safely if the smoke works in our favor. And, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't wish that stress on anybody. It's, uh, it probably took some years off my life. Yeah. The roller coaster of being a business person and especially a race director. So yeah. Good, good learnings. And yeah, it's those, those dark moments, those hard moments that ultimately make the crystal clear blue skies that you got in October for perfect racing weather. Yeah. So special. So let's finish Brendan by talking about some news in the sport that I think you yeah. could maybe provide a fun perspective on. It was announced this morning that the fastest known time message board has been acquired by outside outside is building an absolute media empire across outdoor and lifestyle media space. Uh, this was not necessarily a big surprise to me, but uh, I think a, a pretty interesting validation of our sport. Any top line reactions from you about fastest known time and outside merging? Yeah, you know, like I say, I, I focus a little more on kind of what we do internally, but, you know, I am familiar with Fastest Known Time and, um, you know, it seems like they were doing cool stuff. So uh, it, it's not a surprise with the way the sport's growing that, you know, another uh, large scale, you know, kind of corporate entity would would take interest in that. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity in there. And, um, you know, like we talked about, I think, you know, um, you know, ego and insecurity and a, and a need to belong are, are kind of core human values. And um, we see that every day via social media. But, um, you know, I think if the um, those bigger those bigger groups, you know, I think if they understand the, the sport and the core customer, there can be some great opportunities, you know, like like you said, I think people need to go experience UTMB. Um, they need to go, you know, run, um, you know, backyard ultra and, and everything in between. And then they, they have their, that's the beauty. They have their, their pick of the litter about what they want to enjoy, but yeah, it'll be cool to watch, you know, just like the, the Ironman UTMB rollout and Spartan. And well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, right. It's like marquee, event brand in Ironman, marquee event brand in Spartan have both recognized we need to be in this space in trail running. Now, marquee media brand and outside who already owns Trail Runner magazine has moved in and now is acquiring fastest known time. And so we're seeing these big institutions in both media and events recognizing trail running as being a very important space for their business. And uh, I think that's a, a very uh, big validation for the trajectory of our sport. And so now, as we've talked about during this little live stream here, it's so important for us to hold each other accountable and to make sure that with this professionalization, you could call it, that we always remain true to those core values and to the mission. Start with why. Simon Sinek, yeah. a great book. I would encourage our viewers to watch. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they monetize, right? Because I think the fastest known time message board to this point has probably only derived revenue from donations from people who've enjoyed using their services. And so It'll be interesting to see how outside, um, you know, potentially adjusts that 
monetization model. Um, but it seems to me that they're doing great things with all their other brands and hopefully they'll be great stewards to use your word of, uh, the fastest known time message board, which is a really important resource for our community. Brendan, any closing thoughts today? That was such a fun conversation. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's always always fun to chat, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity. And you know, it's like I say, it's a special time in our sport, and that doesn't mean it's an easy time with with a lot of change. But um, for me, it always comes back to the people, man. Like the people in this community are so special. We're a bunch of, you know driven kooks essentially and um that's what makes it all magical so um it'll be fun to see how it all plays out so true are there more are there spots available in any of the broken arrow races where we can send our viewers and listeners yeah there are so the um the 52k still has spots um and the vertical kilometer does and of course the the via race which we haven't opened up yet um We'll have a, a limited capacity, um, very limited, but, um, you know, it's, we're in just encouraging, you know, someone to even come and run, run the gateway drug, which is the 11 K and that's no PR 11 K man. It's 2000 feet of climbing and, and no joke. So, um, but yeah, you know, um, if people like what we're doing, we're, we're stoked if they come join the party. Yeah. Well, again, I would provide my personal endorsement. I've never run any of the races. I don't think, but I've been there multiple times and just a spectacular event, a spectacular energy in the village. And for people who do make it out, make a vacation out of it and then stay for Western States the following weekend. I can't wait to be there for an extended period of time myself, uh, shouting into microphones at both Broken Arrow and then at Western States. Brendan, thanks so much for joining us, man. Look forward to seeing you in June and uh, let's catch up again soon. Right on. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks everybody for watching. We'll catch you guys soon.